Hey everybody, welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like your mom's home cooking. Delicious, nutritious, and steeped in knowledge. Today I've got Brendan Allen Barrett on the show with me to talk about his podcast, The Business of Family and Selling, which is about sales excellence for moms, dads, husbands, uh, who work with sales teams as it pertains to work-life balance. Brendan works with businesses and their sales teams to promote a healthy way of living to make sure the stress of sales isn't brought home. He shares some great book suggestions that led him down this path, uh, which is something you should listen for when you listen to this podcast. At its essence, the episode is in service of work-life balance and uh, selling without hurting the dynamic of, of the home life. So uh, this is a great episode. I had a really lovely time. And... Um, well, I'm not going to waste your time anymore. Without further ado, welcome Brendan Allen Barrett to the show. Drums, please. All right. Brendan Allen Barrett, welcome to, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So um, for those not familiar with you, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a synopsis of who you are, what you do, and you know, feel free to plug your website or anything like that too. Sure, sure. So I guess the simplest way to describe myself is I'm a budding podcaster. I'm about... 30 episodes into the business of family and selling, which is um, all about um, really sales excellence for moms, dads, husbands, and wives um, who either work in sales or manage sales teams as a sales manager or as a business owner. Um, what I find is that a lot of people in those roles are moms, dads, husbands, wives, and um, their pursuit of sales excellence is, or, or sales leadership excellence is in service of um, not having to bring the mind junk home after work to legitimately be able to check out after five o'clock and not worry about uh, you know, receiving calls at the dinner table or just being consumed because their sales machine is broken. And so we talk about, um, again, sales excellence in service of work-life balance, work-life integration. Um, and then as a spinoff to some of my content stuff, you know, I've got the business of family and selling, and then the blog is start in Phoenix. So start in phx.com, um, where again, we talk about sales excellence. There's a whole story of how we got to that. Cause it's a couple of pivots from where we started. Um, right, right. but, uh, yeah, from that, I mean, I, I help businesses do that. I work, you know, sales managers and business owners hire me to help them, you know, get their sales machine, their team operating like a well-oiled one so that, again, they can legitimately clock out at five o'clock and not have to bring home the headaches or the stress of work or have to field calls at the dinner table. Right. What do you, what do you think is one of the biggest... Um... Uh, issues with people within those sales machine uh, machine systems is it like is it time management is it um, uh, because I find that a lot of people who do end up doing more after hours mm -hmm. feels like either psychologically they're not doing enough or uh, there's some some sort of time management issue do you find yeah, it's, something within those it's or something definitely else? two parts I mean it's funny um, like in my last interview with uh, Landon Porter um, over in what is this group getting sales without being salesy? Like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. people hire me to teach sales, like to my customers, I sell sales. But when I actually get into conversations, I'm either helping them with organization 
or, mm -hmm. you know, right. small tweaks to the things that they're doing 90% right, but it's that last 10% that's missing that makes a world of difference from them closing deals or generating opportunities and then closing deals mm -hmm. and just not, you know, right. they're 90% there, but they're seeing zero of the positive result they're looking for. So it's, it's two parts. It's one organization and then it's two, just the nuance of, of the craft of selling, of getting people's attention, winning their permission to sell, going through a discovery phase, and then communicating, you know, the intersection between the value that company offers and the need or want that that prospect has to fill. Right. So, so do you find that like, you know, people are kind of the variable, like they feel like they, they feel like they know what they're doing, but you kind of come in and like show them some nuances on how to to, to manage their time better or to, you know, better, get better organized. It seems yeah. like everything, you know, there's, there are things that kind of maybe guide them in a different direction. And then you kind yeah. of come it's in. It's all about perspective, right? Like well, I, um, right. if you're, if you're newer to the craft of, of selling, you know, some people get into starting their mm -hmm. own business because they're really good at something else. Right. And now they want to do it right. on their own mm -hmm. terms. They want to build a better mousetrap right. or offer it a way that's more aligned with their core self, right? Um, rather than having to compromise their self and their values to fulfill somebody else's mission. So they go out on their own, but their craft is their craft. Their craft isn't selling their craft. That's a new thing that they have to learn. Right. And so there's a learning curve and I help people get over that as fast as possible. Um, whether it is that early mm -hmm. stage entrepreneur or it's an entrepreneur who has uh, you know, a sales team of five or more people. And, you know, they've kind of been winging it, figuring it out as they go. And they're like, Hey, we're, we have deals that are falling through the cracks or we're just not generating enough opportunities. We know our thing inside and out, but we just don't, we can't find enough qualified people to have that conversation with. Um, and, you know, unless you've been in those trenches, you know, for a while or had the insight of somebody mm -hmm. who has been to guide you like, Hey, you need to be paying attention to these details. I mean, they fly right by you and you don't even realize you missed them. So, I mean, that's, that's what I help right. people with. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you feel that, um, so I'm, I'm sure you're, you've dealt with, you know, many different levels of people mm -hmm. in business, you know, brand new business or someone who's been in a while and they're just mm -hmm. missing something or they're not adapting to uh, new changes in the environment. Do you feel that sales is something that everyone can Oh learn? yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my approach to say it, like, it, I mean, it's honest conversations. A lot of times, like some of the mind junk that I have to help people get over, usually it's like the employees of, of, of a business owner. Um, so like their, their sales force, either their sales development reps who are out there finding opportunities or their salespeople who, you know, walk somebody through a discovery phase. Um, it's just, it's lowering the bar. Right. Like we're just people going out into the mm -hmm. world, having conversations, because from those conversations, we're going to find opportunities to play doctor. And then again, dial back into the customization of an offer or a pitch so that a transaction that benefits both parties, um, you know, can take place. And a, a lot of that is, is, is simply lowering the bar. Um, and then with, uh, you know, the employers themselves or a sales manager who, um, you know, is overworked because they're keeping so much on their own plate rather than delegating it to the work, you know, the workforce that they have, their salespeople and their SDRs. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's again, right. lowering the bar. You know, your employees are never going to be able to do it just as well as you do it. They're new to it. 
right? They, they haven't been doing it as long as you have done it, but unless you delegate, they're never going to learn it. And then the other part of it is like, they don't have to be able to do it as well as you do, like to survive or to benefit the organization. Like the the thing is not going to go up in flames. If they say the wrong thing, they can excuse themselves recorrect and and make up for it i mean deals are not won and lost in single sentences usually it's a bunch of you know micro steps micro conversations that lead to inspiring somebody to do business with you so um in a lot of cases it's just about lowering the bar lowering the expectation yeah and you, you kind of briefly touched on you know the the language used mm-hmm. within sales and i think a lot of people are really worried about being professional mm-hmm. and buttoned up and that sales means a certain kind of acumen. Uh, is that necessarily true that someone has to be very buttoned up or is it, is it something where like you can show more personality, obviously maybe not dropping F-bombs yeah. here yeah. and there or something like that. But, but uh, uh, do you, does, does part of what you teach include, um, you know, kind of letting some of those barriers down so you can kind of be more yourself and sell more naturally. Yeah. So it's a funny thing, right? Like when I first got into selling, I was still in college. Right. And I come from a blue collar family where like, those are the things like, um, you know, sales guys are very buttoned up. They're very professional. They speak a certain way and they're slimy. <laughs> like salespeople are out for themselves <laughs> right. and nobody else. Um, that was, uh-huh. and what I've learned is that, sales and selling is not something that I have a bad taste for. It's poor salesmanship (laughs) that I have a bad taste for. Um, Like those, you know, (laughs) those, those, those images of salespeople stand out um, in my life and were, you know, the narrative shared in my family because, you know, they're so, so terrifically terrible that like, you can't help but remember them. Right. Um, When somebody, Right. When somebody is really good at the craft of selling, you know, they're, they do a fantastic job of qualifying and qualifying fast and making sure that they're only pitching to people mm-hmm. who would actually be interested in the thing. Right. Um, right. And, and when that happens, a lot of times you don't even realize you're being sold to until you get to this point where like, I got to have this thing. And then, you start to connect the dots looking backward and you're like, Oh, I see what he did there. Right. Cause people like to do business with people. I mean, that's never going to go out of style. Right. Um, even with all the technology, mm-hmm. I mean, technology is great for alleviating some of the, the nuance of a follow-up. Right. But, um, I mean, it's still Mm -hmm. that personal touch that makes that technology work. And there's a certain element of a sales conversation and a, you know, a buyer's journey that can't be replaced by machines or online content. It comes from building rapport with an actual person that you can come to know, like, and trust. And right. I mean, how well you have to dress how proper you have to speak really depends on who you want to sell to, who wants to buy from you. And Mm -hmm. I mean, as a seller, especially if you're an independent creative or a business owner or a solopreneur, I mean, you have a lot of power to decide who you want to attract and who you want to do business with. And if those are people you enjoy hanging out with, they're probably going to talk and act and dress a lot like you. So, I mean, changing yourself right. to be better at sales, 
I mean, to be better in a specific sales job, maybe because you don't have all of those same choices to make to fit with, you know, as a cog within somebody else's larger machine. But I mean, for a lot of people, that's right. the reason they go out on their own. Right. So. Yep. Yep, exactly. You can kind of do it on your own terms. And, you know, Landon Porter spoke, uh, speaks about often on his group, uh, getting clients without getting salesy. I suggest checking out oh, that group fantastic. if you haven't. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Um, that's where I've been meeting a lot of my podcast guests lately, and they're so great. Um, but Landon talks about uh, essentially equating sales to mm -hmm. relationships, like like romantic Absolutely. relationships. Like you want to, and, and I think about that in respect to my journey um mm -hmm. with sales i've never been a mm -hmm. salesperson but i've been a designer all of my life working with yeah. salespeople. or growing up with my father who's a sales guy and he has his own business now and it's kind of like naturally mm -hmm. in me but i i'm also so I, more so than actually employing those sales tactics with ice which i still do and i don't even like calling them tactics really um <laughs> it's it's a matter of um I've just kind of observed based on what salespeople wanted me to do within uh -huh. design that has kind of informed me of what works or doesn't work within sales. And for me, when I, I because of that, I'm aware of marketing tactics. I've been aware of like sleazy okay. sales tactics. And I think most of the general public is becoming wiser to the to you know, cliche sales mm -hmm. tactics. Um, so I, I personally feel like impressed when somebody takes the time to learn who I am, to realize that I fit what they're mm -hmm. offering and finds, finds a way to, to get that light bulb to go mm -hmm. off in my head. That makes me feel not only do I need their product or service, but it makes me feel special that they oh, pick yeah. me as a person that deserves this product yep. or service yep. <laughs> in a way. Um, so yeah, that was a little aside for that, but uh, I, I kind of wanted to ask what the what the impetus of this was, especially for, you know, kind of the family side. Uh, it seems like maybe there's personal experience there. Is there something you want to speak to the how to how you kind of uh, started yeah, going about so, this um, with the with the so family side? My business, which I mean, when you get down to the nitty gritty, I'm a I'm a sales trainer, <laughs> right? Um, but like I, yeah. I identify with a podcaster and blogger because I started with a blog right after my son was born. He's three, three and a half now. And, um, you know, up to that time I had graduated college. I had a degree, got a degree in communications with an emphasis in PR, moved out to Los Angeles, thought I was going to get a degree or, you know, get an entry level job writing for a PR agency or writing copy in a marketing agency. Um, nobody wanted to hire, nobody knew me. Right. So nobody wanted to hire me full time. They only had like part-time gigs and internships and freelancing opportunities. And they're like, well, you're a, f you know, you're looking, you're clearly looking for a full-time gig. So we're not even going to hire you because we're going to spend all this time training you and you're going to leave us high and dry when you do find a full-time gig. <laughs> so I couldn't find it. I couldn't find an agency right. gig. Like I thought I was, I, I was destined for, um, the first legitimate offer I got was, um, was selling for a construction company. Uh, and I had just come off the summer mm -hmm. before um, a student painters internship. So like, you know, they train college kids how to go out and door knock and find work and then paint houses. And, you know, it's supposed to teach you the skills of entrepreneurship through the exercise of, of operating a branch of this, this painting business. Right. So, I mean, I've had that sales experience is right. like outside sales. Then I, 
my senior year of college, I worked retail, you know, commission sales at a radio shack selling cell phones and components and uh, police scanners, like <laughs> um, all that weird stuff. Um, and so that kind of uh -huh. cued me up. Like I was a perfect fit for what they were looking for. Um, and so I'd been working for that company that relocated me after a couple, about eight months to, to Arizona. In Arizona, I'd been operating for a couple of years. Um, when my son was born, you know, I, it became very clear to me that like this 12 to 16 hours a day working, you know, my fingers to the bone to close deals and learn an industry. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't sustainable. I didn't have that time to dedicate towards my craft to make up for my inexperience anymore. Um, that time was, you know, belonged to my family and, you know, now fast forward three years later, I'm, you know, married to the love of my life. You know, we kind of took some steps out of order, but like the whole time I'm, I'm, I'm experimenting with like, how do I, how do I be work smarter? and earn more without working more hours because up to that point, that was my solution. Want to make more money, work more hours. Like that was something that I had cause I didn't have a lot of money um, or knowledge. Uh, so that was my right. solution. So I started with the blog. It started as start in Phoenix. I was like, okay, I'm going to start this content marketing exercise. I'm going to start blogging and learning about this thing. You know, this thing I'd kind of flirted with in mm -hmm. college, you know, public relations, marketing, very related to, or very similar and a lot of shared concepts to content marketing, but a couple of years have passed. So I don't know what's changed. Started experimenting with this blog, started out as start in Phoenix and we abbreviate Phoenix PHX because I didn't really know what it was going to be <laughs> start in Phoenix. It sounds progressive. It sounds like <laughs> momentum. It sounds local. So that's what I went with. And it was a URL that was right. available. So that's what I started with for the blog. And I started writing and I started mm -hmm. writing about very vanilla professional development. How do you set smart goals? How do you, uh, you know, create a five-year plan? And I was creating, you know, all these lead magnets and all these and building a list and uh, experimenting with social media to generate traffic for it. And as I was doing this, it's, you know, having that content allowed me to start more conversations with people in different areas that I'd never met. You know, it wasn't just local anymore. I was talking with people all over the world and as it turns out, the people who are right. most interested in professional development are salespeople, want to be entrepreneurs, and early stage entrepreneurs. And the things that I could be, right. I could help them with most were how to find prospects and how to convert those prospects, how to win mm -hmm. their attention, how to win their permission to sell, and then how to take them through a sales process, customize a scope of service and offer or a pitch if you, you know, if you don't have that customizable of a product or service, um, and then convert them into a sale mm -hmm. and everybody be happy after, you know, as the transaction takes place. Um, and so my content on the blog right. over at Start in Phoenix started to take a turn for towards uh sales best practices and then maybe about a year ago a year and a half ago maybe no it wasn't even a year ago it was like eight months ago um i started <laughs> i was i was on my way out to a job so i'm still working with that con that first construction company in addition to a couple others over the years um as an independent rep um, so basically I was self-employed, but working a job. Right. And so the blog was helping me figure out how do I build a business, but I'm, I'm headed out on a Sunday night to a job that starts at like nine or 10 at night. It's two hours away from the house. So of course I'm listening to an audiobook, and, um, 
it was a book that my now wife and I had decided that uh, we were going to read or listen together. And it was going to give us a foundation to have conversations specifically about our finances. The book was uh, smart couples finish rich um, by I think David okay. Bachman is his name. He's the, like the latte factor guy. Like this is just another one of his books. Um, okay. So like, as I'm listening to this thing, I'm, you know, I'm hearing some good thoughts, but what I kept, coming back to was like how, how interesting of a marketing mechanism this book is. I've always been fascinated by self-publishing. I actually self-published a book to Amazon. Mm -hmm. I don't even talk about it anymore because it's, you know, it's in that very vanilla professional development realm as opposed to sales and everywhere, you know, where my business is going now. Um, but like, how interesting mm -hmm. is this thing? You know, this book that people bought couples buy together Similar to me and my, you know, at that time, mm -hmm. my fiance, they buy together so that they have a common language to talk about their own finances and maybe a few helpful tips, you know, tactics to, to make it a little bit easier on one another. Um, and, and I bet you mm -hmm. that it's not just couples who are buying this book in pairs. They're buying two copies at a time, but it's moms, dads, grandmothers, grandfathers who are buying mm -hmm. it in mm -hmm. pairs to gift to newlyweds or engaged couples. And I'm like, that's a very interesting way. Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families. I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Aaron Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. TIAA is on a mission. Why? Because 54% of Black Americans don't have enough savings to retire. So in collaboration with big-name artists like Wyclef Jean, TIAA released Paper Right, new music inspiring a new financial future. With 100% of streaming sales going to a nonprofit that teaches students how to invest. Stream Paper Right now and help close the gap. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast way to like that's a that's a huge way to market a book and share a message right and so like my mm -hmm. my, my gears are turning mm -hmm. you know i'm kind of a content marketing junkie at this point or nerd trying to figure all this stuff out and just being entirely fascinated about it i'm like so what kind of book could i write that people would buy in pairs or gift in pairs and for me it was you know i'm, I'm a sales guy budding entrepreneur solopreneur at the time and kind of trying to figure like how does a salesperson love? Like I'm thinking of, of titles for this book. How does an entrepreneur raise a family? And so these are the right. thoughts that are going on in my head. I'm like, those are all mm -hmm. great ideas. Those are books that I'd probably read or listen to. Um, but I'm not an expert on that. <laughs> so how do I write this book? Right? Um, you know, and, and what, what I was struck with was that I'm not an expert, but I could play journalist. I could 
you know, start a podcast and interview other people who have more experience than me. Because again, I was only, um, two and a half, almost three years into fatherhood. Not that, you know, not that experienced. I wasn't even married at the time. So what do I know know about, um, developing a relationship that stands the test of time? Um, but I could, I could go out and start conversations Mm -hmm. and record those conversations and broadcast it to the world and get feedback and create an audience who might then tell me what questions they want answered in such a book. Um, and so that's where I started. I started mm-hmm. with the podcast. Of course, I don't, I know nothing about audio. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I, I, that's a whole new skill I'd have to learn. So let's go minimally viable version of this. Let's make it a Facebook live thing. Right. You know, you, you get two people on the line, you hit, you know, go live and you have your conversation and then you hit done and it's done. The content exists. There's no post-production. I could promote it a little bit, but I could also get feedback through the comments while we're live and people can steer the conversation. Um, And so that's how the podcast started. And Mm -hmm. after recording about 25 to 30 of them, um, we started, I had the cash flow through my coaching business to hire an editor and, um, hire an editor who does my show notes and got me set up, uh, you know, with, with Libsyn and, um, is it Libsyn or Lipson? I don't, I don't, I don't see. I don't even know. I pay the bill and I, I don't even uh, know how to pronounce yeah, I don't the, remember. I don't remember. It's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's as long as you're finding a way to get it done. So, it doesn't, yeah, so I, know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Well, like <laughs> I hired out details. that part. Right. And, and so now that's, I didn't have, I didn't have the skill. Uh, plus I didn't have the bandwidth to learn the thing because still I'm a dad. Now I'm a husband. I've got all these things that I'm responsible for. Again, I'm trying to figure out how to work less, but make more. Mm -hmm. So I can't take on this huge extra endeavor. So I found the cat, you know, I did a minimally viable version of it. I found the cash flow to then sink into outsourcing the next version of it. Now we have 29 or 30 episodes published and I've got another 15 in the can. Mm -hmm. So while my editor is working through those 15, I'm not even recording right now. Um, I'm working on the, the promotion of it. And so I'm building a contributor network and that can, you know, so I've got interns and a couple of people who are interested in getting backlinks by writing, you know, blog posts for starting Phoenix. And so we're working on more and more content that refers Mm -hmm. to those um, interviews plus other sources on whatever topic that we're writing about. Again, most of it is sales excellence, you know, serving the purpose of work-life balance. Um, but then other, you know, we've mm-hmm. also got stuff in the content calendar for like, um, you know, books and games that'll teach your kids, <laughs> you know, about money and entrepreneurship or sales <laughs> without them even realizing they're learning mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So, um, it's been an exciting journey. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of great tools in there and that, and I'm excited for, really the the gathering of all of that stuff. It, you know, it's kind of interesting that we live in a world today where we can just put out content daily. You don't no longer have to be somebody that if you're going to write a book, you, you're not just like getting a cabin yeah. in the woods yeah. and hiding away. <laughs> you're, 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 you know, you're putting out daily content. And then, you know, after you get a certain number of articles or episodes or something, you can culminate at that into a book and, you know, make that a big, a, a big thing. And, you know, kind of, wrap up that chapter or something and then start something else or, or continue that path and do yeah. a version two, who knows? But, um, it, it, it's, it's a pretty rad journey that you're on. It seems like it's very honest, which is <laughs> fantastic. 
And, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> which is not something a lot of people, well, you know, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of people don't synonymize, uh, sales yeah. with yeah. honesty, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, um, it's kind of the nice part about the world today is that if you're utilizing social media correctly, like you're doing with lives or sharing content and such, like people start mm -hmm. to get to know you as a person and there's really no mm -hmm. room to be dishonest. Mm -hmm. People know you enough that yeah. they'll be able to pick you apart <laughs> if yeah. they see that you're not being genuine. Um, so uh, along those lines, uh, you know, with what you're doing with Facebook lives and blog posts and articles and interviewing people, is, is are these some of the tools that you're teaching other people in sales as well to use tools, uh, uh, encouraging them to podcast or use social media, uh, things like that to to make sales or to transform yeah, some, so of the some of the practices? The major things is one is conversations, two is bandwidth, and then three is like lowering the bar. And I think lowering the bar helps you with band the bandwidth issue. So for me, um, like we don't mm -hmm. need to know everything. That's the whole point of going out and having starting conversations, right? We're not going to pitch everybody. Like a lot of people get right. um, a little bent out of shape. Like, oh, I'm just going to go randomly talk to per you know this person. I should know everything about them. I was like, no, that's the point of the conversation. Because <laughs> what are you going to do? Scour the internet for information about them? Right. That stuff might be two years out of date, right? Like that's that's not pertinent to their life right. today. So why don't you just go? And it's a little, well, yeah. So like you start creepy. dropping these little nuggets <laughs> on them too, right? That they know they haven't told you about. So they're like, how do you know that? That's weird. And so uh -huh. like all of those defenses that you mm -hmm. thought, you know, those defensive walls that you thought you were going to break down by knowing all of that stuff are actually heightened <laughs> because you know that stuff without it having right. been learned in a conversation. So, um, you know, that also feeds, you know, if you're trying to work smarter rather than harder as a solopreneur who's, you know, so small that, you know, ads don't really make sense yet. You don't know what your sales playbook looks like. I mean, having conversations is huge. I mean, you gain so much insight from just going out and talking to people who you think are your ideal customer because out of that pool, you'll realize that, mm -hmm. oh, my act, you know, people who are actually qualified to buy from me, you know, either they find a value in the thing that they do, or they can afford to buy from me. That's an even smaller cluster of folks than what I thought was my ideal customer. Or after talking to these people who I thought were my ideal customer, I know that none of them are, and I need to find another pool <laughs> to fish in because, um, you know, there's just a complete right. mismatch. Um, and by having that conversation rather than you know, if your if your product is a book, rather than grow, running into the forest and you know whacking away at the keyboard to write this book and then go publish it and find out nobody wants to read it, you could have avoided doing all that hard work in vain mm -hmm. and then have it be a big failure. Um, you know, that also protects your bandwidth too. Like, I mean, you didn't waste all of that time writing a right. book to find out nobody's going to buy it from you and then be totally broke because you exhausted your savings and now you got to go work a job you don't want. <laughs> that's going to be make you miserable because mm -hmm. you, you outran right. your runway. You know, um, a lot of people who start a business, it's either because, you know, they've saved up the money. This is the thing that they're going to do. They've decided they want to do it, but they, again, they have limited resources or, you know, they're, they lose a job and they need to make some income, right? Like, I mean, that's why we all work. <laughs> so being, 
Yeah, right. being smart Gotta about it, and being able, conversations help you validate those different paths that you go down before you um, outlast your resources. So having conversations, doing the Correct. simplest thing, you know, the easy things first. Um, those are things that that we try to focus on. And yeah, a lot of it happens over the phone. I teach a lot of phone prospecting, a lot of pair that with email prospecting, mm -hmm. pair that with um, connecting with people on social media, um, you know, being visible on social media and then creating conversations. You know, it's one thing to have a conversation in the comments you can build another level of rapport by having a conversation in messenger that can't even be matched by the level of rapport that you can have over the phone. And then there's nothing that replaces from sitting in front of somebody and like breathing the same air and being able to, you know, mm -hmm. share that, that time and place with somebody. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty high level of rapport. All of those technological ways, the social media, the email, the phone can get you to that place. And in some cases, you don't need to actually share the same space, breathe the same air as somebody else to make a deal happen. Um, but it certainly makes it easier. Mm -hmm. um, and so a big focus, too, in my business and in my clients' business is, hey, yeah, we have all these tools, right? And we could sell all over the world. But why don't we stick close to home where we have that op more opportunity to be physically with our prospects? Because, you know, as we're still sharpening our skills, we want everything in our, in our favor. And that's just one more powerful tool that we could, we have the opportunity to yield if we have proximity to the people that we're selling to. Yeah. And, and, you know, it kind of helps that you have things in common because they're, you're, they're people that are physically yeah. in the same area, you know, starting Phoenix is, is a perfect example of that. Like mm -hmm. it's pretty clear who you're talking to mm -hmm. or you're trying to talk to. And it just so happened that you reached beyond that at some point, but it's like, you know, it's not necessarily a good move to be in, you know, in, in Oregon and yeah. trying to market to people in Louisiana when you've never been to Louisiana yeah. or you know well, nothing yeah, and about I mean, them. It's, it's little things, right? And <laughs> you I know, mean, you can learn about a new location, but that's going to take time, right? You know, the, the Southwest compared yeah, to the Northwest, right. compared to the Midwest, compared to the South and the East, like they're, you know, subcultures. Yeah, we share a lot of things. We're, we're all human beings, right? But there's little nuances, just like, you know, going from whatever craft it is that you have that you decide to build a business around and then having to learn the craft of sales and selling in addition to that. Um, you know, it takes time to learn anything. Um, and so when you keep it simple, mm -hmm. lean into your, you know, the skills and the assets and the tools that you already have, rather than trying to add new ones, um, you're going to be able to pick up more momentum. And then when you have the, that momentum, then, you know, your next weakest link is a little bit outside of your, uh, you know, your current wheelhouse, then you can start adding those things, but like to go run out into the world and try to start mm -hmm. from scratch, like, Oh man, that's, that's so hard. Like you've been creating who you are and what you're interested in right. since you were first born. Right. Like, do you have that time? <laughs> do you have that much of a mm -hmm. runway, right. you know, 30, 40, 50 years? to, to learn right. something entirely new? Probably not. Right. So, you know, at a certain point it might implode and you might be back to right. working a job you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and that sounds horrible. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, play, play your, play off of your strengths. You know, even this conversation is a good uh, example of basically, you know, you're talking about 
uh, I, I just had the, the words come in my head, yes. like social compound yes. interest, because it's kind of like, you know, save, like saving money, but it, it's like, you know, uh, kind of putting all of this knowledge to good use is like continuing to, to build well, that it's a, social. It's a really interesting uh, thought interest too. Cause like when I first got into sales, uh, I was like, no, it's about logic, right? Like I don't, I hate when people get super buddy, buddy with me and mm -hmm. it seems very, you know, disingenuous, right? Like, um, cause you can sit, you could certainly tip the scales right. that way. Right. Like uh, you see it with less experienced salespeople, younger salespeople or, you know, somebody who's been taught by, you know, somebody who wasn't that much more experienced than them. Like it, it doesn't roll off the tongue. It, it, it does seem very manufactured. Right. And so like when I first got into sales, I was very right. like building rapport didn't seem super like building credibility was one thing being able to say, Hey, you know, I know this thing inside right. and out. So, you know, I'm worth us having a deeper conversation so I can play doctor and figure out what you need or what you want um, and then customize the scope of work. And then when I tell you the price, you're going to be like, yeah, of course, because Brendan knows what he's talking about. Like he's he's demonstrated that he's a credible, right. you know, source authority on painting houses or <laughs> or, you know, construction or right, right. cell phones or whatever the thing was that I was selling. Right. Um, and so I was very anti building rapport or I didn't put a lot of weight into it. And what I've come to realize is that, you know, more and more so people buy people buy first off of emotion. Right. And some of that is credibility. Another mm -hmm. is like, you know, how do you make the person feel? Do they want to see you, you know, come back to their house to do the project or see, you know, receive calls from you throughout the week? because you're part of the fulfillment process of whatever it is that you sold to them. So like people buy off of emotion and then they still need the logic component. Like the deal has to make sense. Right. Or they, they still won't buy because right. they'll talk themselves out of it. So the logic component is important too. They're both important, mm -hmm. but building rapport, I mean, it even plays into you being able to go through a discovery phase and actually get truth out of, the prospect because without the truth you can't customize your offer or your pitch of an offer uh in a way that they need to hear sales is very one-to-one -one communication right you could communicate the same idea the same thought maybe a hundred different ways but if unless it's that one way that that individual prospect needs to hear it to connect emotionally and logically to the decision then it's going to be misfire. You're, you're not going to mm -hmm. hit the target. It's not going to land and the deal is not going to get done. But if you've built up trust and rapport by being somebody that they like, and you don't have to do it by being overly, um, you know, cheesy and buddy, buddy. I mean, it's as simple as, as simple as leading with questions mm -hmm. and getting them to talk about what excites right. them. I mean, that's one of my favorite questions when I first meet somebody, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, Hey, I'm Brendan. What's your name? Hey, how you doing? And then it's like, so what are you working on? What's got you excited these days? And like, boom, then they start. Cause usually what's exciting right. to somebody is what is something that they, they found that they're kind of good at, or they're excited to be good at, or they're making a ton of progress. Right. And when they do that, mm -hmm. they get an opportunity to brag. Right. right? And when we brag, we actually, right. um, I was just mm -hmm. listening to podcast 
Oh, I think Jeb Blunt mentions it in his new um, book, Sales EQ, that like there's this research that they were mapping people's brains when mm. they bragged about themselves. And when somebody brags about themselves, they get a dopamine hit. Mm. Like, so they're, they're getting more and more uh, yeah. pumped up with every opportunity they get to brag about themselves. And then, you know, as people do, we get a little addicted mm -hmm. to that. And so now you've become interesting to them because you're the source of that good feeling. Um, and so, you know, you became interesting, not be, not because you said anything profound, but because you got them to feel good because you gave them an opportunity to talk about themselves. And now they start to spill the beans. They start to trust you a little bit more. They're, you know, their defense, they feel good. So they have less defenses. Um, and so when you ask questions that they might not answer truthfully to somebody who hasn't given them that feeling, they'll answer mm -hmm. truthfully for you, which gives right. you a better perspective to again, mm -hmm customize an offer or a pitch that they're going to need to be able to move right. forward and make a transaction with you. Otherwise it's, it's going to miss for one reason or another. Yeah. You, you're, you're appealing to the emotional barrier that people have. Well, you either, you either are, you're either trying to, you're, you're trying to create a sort of positive and love response and trying to avoid mm -hmm. the fight or flight response because a lot of the times when like especially young sales guys they'll come up to you like mm -hmm. think of like a flea market scenario or something and you get those guys that are like tapping you on the shoulder or waving something in front of your face and uh, you're just like <laughs> hey, hey 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 here's my thing <laughs> and uh, that could be an analogy for something else and um basically it's like you know, you, you get this visceral, yeah. like, no, get yeah. away from me. This feels terrible. Or there you can feel in the words that they're using, that they're trying to like, like penetrate your brain. And there's more like yeah. sexual yeah. things there. That's weird. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, they're trying to, you know, elicit that sales mm -hmm. one night stand, as opposed to trying to build mm -hmm. a meaningful relationship. And as an extension to that, I wanted to ask you about uh, w when you're teaching uh, sales, are you appealing and like, how much of that do you discuss the, uh, psychologically with those elements? Like you said, you, you talked about the sales EQ book and, uh, you know, emotional quotient and, and appealing to people psychologically. Um, like what, what elements or is there like examples of some of that well, stuff? Like, I mean, I know you talked I about think, it just a lot, but. So I uh, listened to now, when Jeb's book came out or when I first discovered it, maybe I missed the launch and I, I downloaded it and I was on, I was driving up North to take my little boy fishing. And I listened to that. I listened to that book from start to finish in like two days. Um, but the big thing that mm -hmm. it reinforced for me is that people don't like to be wrong. And that's, that's a big part of social right. uh, or um, emotional intelligence is that, you know, in some cases it needs to sound like it was their idea <laughs> or, or you need to play the yes yeah, and game absolutely. because even though they're totally wrong, mm -hmm. telling them straight up they're wrong is going to close them off to, to figuring it out. Right. So you could, instead of, instead of right. no, you're wrong this is what's actually happening. I mean, you could go with, yes, and we got this thing going on over here. So this works this way and that way. And they'll start to figure out themselves that like, oh yeah, that thought I had to do that I had, that's totally irrelevant. We're going to follow Brendan now because, you know, 
he had my attention long enough because I didn't clam up. I didn't put my defenses up because he told me I was wrong. I followed him long enough to totally forget about my stupid mm-hmm. idea <laughs> that he was nice enough to tell me wasn't or nice enough to skip <laughs> telling me how stupid I was. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting too, is that we, we kind of, uh, we we kind of have to remember and and just like the the whole appealing to you know making sure that someone else feels like it's their idea uh kind of reminded me of of when you're kids like you you like parents like good parents will <laughs> reinforce when a kid feels proud about something or they're feeling good about decisions they made like oh that's so smart or that was such a good idea and like you know you don't want to talk to them condescendingly but you know just to appeal emotionally like that doesn't change in people mm-hmm. people want to feel good about mm-hmm. themselves they want to talk about themselves which is why i start this podcast by asking you to talk about yourself Working. because I feel it's really feel great. good it's something that you know <laughs> and it kind of creates right right it creates it creates a positive entry point and then for me i start to ask questions and and using this podcast as an example, I, I do that. I start to ask questions. I start to get to know you a little bit more because while I have you answer questions before going on this podcast and I have a link to your website and stuff, I don't really dive that deep because I want to be able to talk to you. I want to get to know you and appeal to who you really are and be able to, you know, get some of that honest truth and those good nuggets of information out of you to share with the people that in turn will you know, hopefully get people coming to you and then we'll get to get, we'll get to know each other. And if I ever see anybody mention or ask a question Mm -hmm. about sales, I'm going to tag you right away because you're the guy, (laughs) you know, and, and, and you'll be more likely to share my podcast and we help each other and life's great. And we just, we're (laughs) drinking beer on rainbows and everything's amazing. I like that imagery. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So it's like, it's, it's appealing to the positivity that we want to feel within ourselves and, and, you know, nurturing each other's emotional needs. Uh, and we can't forget that, especially within men, I, I think is interesting because we kind of forget that men can be emotional as well. And, um, you know, and a, a lot of sales guys will kind of take the, the stoic route and may not appeal to someone's needs. Yeah. They may just go straight logical and, uh, you know, go for that one night stand and, you know, they got to take the time and they need to learn emotionally and, and, uh, you know, being able to, to speak to that on this podcast is great. And I, I think we have way more that we can speak to in the future. Oh, yeah. If you're willing yeah. to do a follow-up in the future. Absolutely. I think the, the there's yeah. a second part to that, that, um, getting people to talk and getting them to feel better about themselves also, loosens us up as the person starting the conversation. You know, if you are a creative or a solopreneur or a salesperson, oops, uh, a salesperson, and you've got those nerves about going out in the world and starting conversations with strangers, like by leading with very simple questions, non-technical mm-hmm. questions, getting to know people, it helps you you know, of course it helps you qualify. I mean, for me, prospecting, starting conversations is all of, is, is market research first. And there's a lot of lessons that we could learn. You know, the, the holy grail of lessons is that, hey, this is a qualified prospect. I should pitch them. But it, that's not always the case. Sometimes we find out very quickly that they're not qualified, but we might also, you know, gain insight from that as to why, which helps us in the future. Um, but for us as the as the seller, as the person doing the prospecting, as the person going out into the world and 
starting conversations, you know, we can get nervous, but by making it about them, getting them to open up to us, we, um, we, Mm -hmm. we find ourselves more comfortable on, oh shoot. I just learned a whole, a new term for this. Um, give me one second here. (laughs) The dominant hierarchy. I mean, you essentially feel like a trustworthy person. Human beings, we, we have this, this dominance hierarchy, you know, where do we fit in this society, in the layer cake of the culture that we find ourselves in? And we worry about where we're at because we want, you know, the person on the other end is trying to place us on that hierarchy so they can decide whether or not to listen to us. And us, we, I mean, we want to know where we're at so that we can feel confident in our pitch or, you know, cower in fear, you know, if we feel like we're too far down that hierarchy. And so by leading with questions, by making it about them, getting them Mm -hmm. to open up to us rather than us doing a bunch of talking and pitching, we find out very easily how close we, Mm -hmm. you know, typically the result is that we find out how sim, you know, how similarly we're positioned on that hierarchy and I gain all kinds of confidence as the seller, as the person doing the prospecting, as the person with an agenda to make suggestions, make recommendations, or walk away without having to have my pride bruised because the guy told me no because, well, heck, he wasn't qualified anyways. Why should I, you know, <laughs> why should I have gone through the the experience right, of right. rejection? I should have known better than to pitch him in the first place. Um, so by leading with those questions, not only do they get pumped up right. and feel comfortable with us, but we get pumped up and feel comfortable with them. Yeah, and I've been pumped up this entire conversation, <laughs> so this has been great. <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to to wrap up because I do have another call in about five minutes. But um, thank you for being on the show. This was rad, and I hope we can do a follow-up in the future. There's plenty of other topics I'm sure we can break down when it comes to sales, psychology, mindset, people, and you know, just see where you're at in a few months, uh, see how many podcasts you've done, and um, just kind of uh, – uh, celebrate what you've done over the, the coming months. Yeah, this was a blast. Uh, thank you for the invitation. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Great. Uh, so if you guys would leave a uh, review on iTunes, that would be dope. And uh, Brendan, hold on. I'll talk to you after I stopped hitting record. And we'll uh, talk to you guys next time. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe, yeah. Ooh, purple flowers, candy showers in the air. You dance for hours as I watch from overhead. It's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's on my team, you got me going off your dopamine.